Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we're gonna talk about FU money and why niche sites, why affiliate sites and content sites in general might be a great path for that and the financial independence aspect. I have a wonderful guest joining me for today, my friend Mark Mars from Niche Website Builders. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, Doug. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, how are you? Doing awesome today, and it's been a little while since we've talked, and you've been on the show several times, and people should check those out. But for the people that don't know you at all, can you give just you know brief background on what you did before Niche Website Builders, how you got into affiliate marketing, and what you're doing right now? And you, you don't have to give a you know a ten minute answer, just so people get an idea <laughs> of your background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whistle stop is, uh, yes, I guess I used to work in a corporate world. I uh, worked at Microsoft for about a decade as an application development consultant. Whilst I was at Microsoft, I created a bit of software with a couple of friends. We built a business from that, which was for online testing, which was around 2005. There wasn't many of that going around. We built that business up and sold that, having got some investment from angel investors. Um, I started an agency, um, a, a digital marketing agency about the same time for local businesses. I uh, did that for about seven years, um, exited that business and was working as an SEO consultant at the same time as building up my website portfolio um, and in, the, in the website investing space and then came across Adam, my now co-founder of the business that I currently work in, which is Niche Website Builders, where we do exactly that. We help people find financial freedom um, through uh, building content sites. And when did you get into content sites and affiliate marketing? So I've been, I've been doing SEO for like, I don't know, like 16, 16, 17 years now. But for my own, for my own purposes, quite new, really. I mean, in, well, in relative terms. Like, so probably like four years or so, I've been into doing it for myself. And yeah, came to the realization, like I think everyone does at some point going, hell, why? I've been doing this for other people and like, it's just the blog space, you know, you do it for businesses and you've got your own business, but then you find out the, the, the blogging space and how you can make money from that. And you're like, well, shit, like, I've got all of the skills for this. Like why, why, why? Yeah, I should just do this. And it's a real thing. And yeah, so yeah, cool. about four years ago, I'd say. Okay, fantastic. And we're going to talk about FU money and financial independence. And for me, it wasn't, you know, really on the horizon so much. And I didn't really think about fuck you money at all. And we're going to kind of talk about how each of us defines that. But then the financial independence piece, I really didn't think about too much. But I remember I listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast, I think it was 2017. And Mr. Money Mustache was on there, Pete. Uh, Aideny, I always say his last name wrong. Pete, and I actually live in the same town as him now, and he's a friend of mine, which is you know crazy. It's a very small world out there, but you know he, Pete retired when he was thirty, and he just you know di didn't realize that everyone didn't just retire when they had enough money. So it's kind of crazy the little subcultures that are out there because mm -hmm. now I know a bunch of people that are retired and they're in their uh, mid thirties or, you know, mid forties, but essentially retiring 15, 20 years ahead of their peers, which is kind of crazy. Cause I, I just thought, Hey, I'll just keep working until, um, you know, maybe 60 and I'll retire early at the age of 60, maybe 59 and had no concept of what I needed or what FU money was. So for you, Mark, did you have an idea of FU money and you obviously, uh, based on your little bio there, you worked for yourself for a little while and you were in the startup space and kind of got out of the uh, the corporate chains there for a bit. So talk about FU money and what it means to you. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've almost got, I think there's like, you know, there's FU money and there's like financial freedom kind of money and like two steps, aren't they? And I think I've always had missed out the fuck you money step and was always wanting the financial freedom step. But I think that for me, they're very close together. But it's funny, actually, when I first started working at Microsoft, I uh, I remember seeing the financial advisor there because, you know, you get stocks, you get shares, you get some, you know, you get a chance to put some money away into a pension like, every every month and you kind of choose how much you want to pay. And I, and I went to the financial advisor and I said to him, look, you know, I want to 
I want to retire like when I'm 45, 50. Like, I don't want to be working until I'm 60. And this was like when I was really young. Like, so I already kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. And I remember he just laughed at me. He just like, I'm like, no, seriously, like what, you know, how much money do I have to put into my pension or like, you know, whatever. Like I was naive you know, at that age. Like, what do I just need to put in? Uh, to like, I just want to retire at that age. What, like, what's it going to take? And he was, and he just laughed. And and uh, and you know, I said to him, look, just send me the numbers. If it's ridiculous, you know, if I have to put fifty percent of my salary away, like maybe maybe I'll try and find a way to do it. Maybe it's ridiculous, but I like, just can you send me the numbers. And he like he never did. He just thought, he just thought it was a hilarious concept of like me trying to retire at that age. So I mean, I worked for a decade at Microsoft, and I kind of put some money away in a pension and stuff. But I, I, I guess I I realized that. Was never gonna kind of never kind of make it, but, it, but so I, in terms of fu money, I guess like the fu money is in my the way that I think about it is like I don't have to work a nine to five. I can work I can work my own time, and I can, I can make a monthly income. But I could same income I could make from a nine to five job. So it means I don't have to have a boss. I'm my own boss, and that's the money I earn. Whereas financial freedom is kind of I don't really have to work. That's like I, I work for fun. I work if I, 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 and I don't think I'll ever stop working, but I'll just do it. I'll, I'll do it what I want to do because I enjoy it. And if I ever stop enjoying it, I'll stop doing it type thing. Right. And um, so I think that's kind of the next, the, the next step. So I've got enough money to live the rest of my life comfortably, look after my family, look after their futures. And that's, that's for me, that's like financial freedom, like the next level up. But perfect. Yeah, I don't know if that's the same, same view as you have. Well, for the, the FU money, I, I kind of view it as, you know, specifically being able to tell your boss, F you, like I'm out of here. And I have a quick, very recent story. A friend of mine, she wanted to work four days a week. She's had that schedule before. She really enjoyed it. And she was working five days a week for the last couple of years. And it had been rough for the last, say, quarter. So she just emailed her boss and said, I want to go to four days a week. It's really important to me. Let me know what to do. It wasn't, I would like to do this or I request or I'm asking for it. It was, here's my demand. I'm going to go to four days a week. And I you know, checked over the email. It's a friend of mine. So I checked over the email and I was like, your boss is probably going to want to talk to you and you have to be prepared to quit. So are you ready to quit if they say no? She was like, yeah, I'm ready to quit. So that, I mean, I think that's a very specific example. It could be a little different for everyone, but you make a demand and you're like willing to walk away from the job. It doesn't mean, you know, you won't ever work again. It just means you can tell your boss, fuck you. And for some people, it's like a six month salary, like emergency fund sort of thing. For some people, maybe it's like two years of, you know, enough cash to live without having to work at all, cover your expenses and all that. For the financial freedom, financial independence, I lean on what's called the 4% rule. And basically, you you take your annual expenses and you multiply it by 25. So you, you have 25 years of expenses in an index fund, typically a stock market, like total market index fund. There's a few of them out there. And based on a, you know, several studies, essentially you could withdraw 4% per year and you're never going to run out of money. So there's debate, you know, some people may say it's 5%. Some people may say it's 3% depending on how conservative they are, but that's the general idea. And it has proven to be pretty reliable over the last, you know, 45 years or so. But that is, of course, doesn't take into account like real estate. If someone has a bunch of real estate properties, have income, and they have hard assets like that obviously counts too. But from a pure, you know, just investment, like fairly low risk total markets, um, stocks are pretty good bet. Yeah. So you never, you never touch you never touch the the you just live off the interest basically you never touch the the, the full money but yeah i mean i think depending depending on how far you're down the rabbit hole you go with kind of you know the quantitative easing and money being printed and how much that money's going to be worth in like 20 years time that could change the numbers a little bit i think it's 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 but uh but yeah right uh, it's a totally a topic for another day that one yeah <laughs> well i was going to say my my whole 
or, or my other podcast, there's a whole episode that we did on inflation. And the good part, if you are holding stocks, generally those are probably going to go up in value too. I mean, those are the, yeah. those are companies. So even though your numbers may be off on the inflation standpoint, like you can bake those in to your assumptions and generally like the 4% rule will get you pretty close. And for real numbers, so people understand, let's say your expenses are $40,000 a year, you would need to save a million dollars. So 4% and multiplying by 25, those are inverses just so people could visualize it. Let's say you have a big family and you want to go on big vacations or something and your expenses are hundred K a year, you need two and a half million dollars. So it sounds like a lot of money, but if you're as old as Mark and I, then, and you invested in your 401k when you were, you know, in your early twenties, it's, it's kind of doable. It's doable to save that much money. It's not that crazy if you're putting in, you know, 10, 15 K per year compounding over the last you know, 20, 25 years. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk about how these content websites are potentially a great path. And we're going to divide this up sort of into stages. So we'll think about people that have a full-time job and they're just getting into side hustling and then maybe maturing and in the intermediate phase. And then finally where, you know, you're doing it full-time. So I'll turn it over to you, Mark, for sort of the side hustle piece. And I will buy you a little time. I mean, I just found Smart Passive Income about eight years ago and then got obsessed. And then I just started building sites. I didn't know what I was doing at all and made all sorts of dumb mistakes like over and over again before I kind of got my footing. Now you were doing SEO for a while. So you had probably some pretty high level skills before you got into it. But can you tell us how, you know, someone may start dabbling in this when they have a full-time job? Yeah, I think there's so many good, things about this business model and like one of them is that it's effectively really cheap to get started and you can and if you've got if you're time rich then you know you can you can work a blog on the side all you've got to do is really pay for the hosting you can knock up a website with a theme pretty easily and and so as part of a side hustle if you've got time on the weekends or in the evenings to be able to do that you could kind of just start writing your own blogs and kind of you know you want to make sure you get the keyword research right of course but once you've kind of got not mastered that then you got you got time to write the content so you could do that in your own time and once the start you know starts generating some income then maybe you want to kind of look to kind of outsource some of like that that writing too kind of maybe accelerate like the growth if you if you've got like a goal to to build a portfolio or build a site that's going to make you money then you know this there's no there's no quick way around it you just need a lot of content at least in the outset you might need to think about links further down the road the more content you can kind of generate and get out the door like the, the quicker you're going to get to a point where you're earning you know a decent income from a website so and you're, you're just one person that may be working full-time doing a side hustle so but you know so you know if you're if you're more cash rich than time rich then you can kind of go straight into the the paying for a service to kind of get a site built for you but there's there's, there's that middle ground as well you know, once you start writing well maybe that maybe you start earning two or three hundred dollars a month but that, that can can supplement you outsourcing some writing and you can doesn't mean you stop writing if you want to double up and just keep writing as well you, you know then you then you can do that so i think in terms of like starting out it's you know i think gain as much knowledge as you can um like you said you went you started off with a smart passive income obviously um pat like covers like a wide variety of kind of topics these days but he was kind of back then he was kind of very focused in website investing kind of space um or, or more focused in that kind of space i'd say yeah but then i kind of came across you and spencer and and, and a, you know a bunch of other people are kind of doing it in the space and kind of thinking yeah this is this is something that's not just one person's talking about. It's kind of real. And, uh, but yeah, I think from, I think that's one way that you can start from, from, from like a side hustle. You, you, you got to dis decide how much time you've got kids. I love kids. Like I have three, a young age. I don't have so much time. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of ways that you can kind of get started, I guess. You mentioned publishing a lot of content. So for, someone who's say in the first year, do you have like a specific target 
kind of a guideline that someone can follow and probably do okay? I would sort of flip it like slightly the other way. So I would say I, I, you've got to try and get as many out as you can, right? You want to you want to be doing as many articles as you can. If you can do one every evening, then you're going to get in a year. You're going to have you're you're going to be in good shape. You know, if you can get 365 articles for an hour, for example, maybe take a bit of time off. But like you know, if you can do that, wow, that's going to that's going to set you up really well. Like what I would say is like you just don't want to move too slow. Like you, you, I think you're moving too. If you're looking at doing one article a month, you're moving too slow. Like you're gonna, you're gonna give up way before your site starts earning any money. Uh, like twelve articles a year or whatever, it's gonna take years, and those articles are gonna age. You're gonna, they're gonna need rewriting and updating before you, before you start earning any money. So, I mean, if you one a week, I think maybe then you'll get to like fifty or so a year in a year. That's a that's a healthy-ish kind of start, but I, w- I would at least try and get a couple of weeks out so you've got like maybe 100 at, at, over the course of a year. And that'll give you a healthy start. I want to give a quick thanks to the other sponsor of the show, which is me. I bring you this show uh, every week, twice a week, sometimes three times, and it is uh, pretty fun. I enjoy the hell out of it, and it's a blast to chat with people like Mark or Adam, who I'll talk to uh, in a few weeks here, or Christy or Ariel or all all these success stories are super cool, and it's a blast for me to to check them out. And I, I appreciate you listening and watching these shows over on the YouTube side. And if you want to check out my other podcast, it's called Mile High Fi, personal finance and financial independence. We talk about some you know random topics as well, but really it's just my buddy and I hanging out down here in the basement and uh, chatting, trying to make each other laugh. Sometimes we have some more serious conversations. Like recently, we talked about inflation. We brought a guest on who did some research, and she's uh, much smarter than us in that area, and probably many others as well. Paula Pant helped us out on that. And then uh, more recently, we just did an episode on like healthcare and how to think about healthcare, at least here in the U.S., when you are potentially going away from a W-2 job and you have to figure out how to get insurance without an employer, which is a little more complicated here in the U.S. So anyway, thanks for checking out these episodes, these shows. I appreciate it very, very much. And let's get back to the episode. I think you should publish as much as you possibly can, whatever the limiting factor is, you know, money, if you can't outsource enough, like just publish as much as you can. However, as a counterpoint, and so people don't just say, well, I can't, like, I don't have a lot of skill writing, I'm slow, and Mm -hmm. I don't have enough money to invest. I will tell you, go at your own speed you'll still learn. And even if you could only write one article per month, let's zoom out and think about where you might be in four years. So at that point, like there is more content, still you're not dealing with a a large number, but things could change, right? Like you could start getting a little traction. You maybe get a different job and you're able to earn a little bit more and then you could invest more. So things could change. Uh, So I don't want people to be discouraged if you're like, I don't have much money and I can't publish much and so on. You will need to speed that up a little bit, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Like you should still make slow progress moving forward. But if you could publish a thousand articles in a year, do that. If you could do 2000, publish 2000 as much as you could do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. And as far as like uh, growing, is there anything like specific that people need to think about other than like publishing more content and maybe getting more backlinks and and stuff like that? What other pieces? Yeah. So in terms of like, like growing the site, I guess, there's, there's a number of different things I guess you need to think about at this point. So if we're talking about the a growing phase. So we're assuming you've already kind of got a bunch of articles. You've got some traffic in there. Of course, you want to continue to kind of start growing those art- 
growing the site by writing more articles. I'm sort of of the mind that you want to be creating as much content as possible before you even start looking at links. Like links should be like a point where, okay, like I've kind of found or I've maximized all of my low hanging through that I can probably um, achieve with the authority of site I've got. Now I need to get some more authority and I need to build some links. So at some point you kind of want to build links, but I, I always say just go hard on content first. You don't want to start, you don't want to get just five or 10 pieces of content and then start building links. Like you're only going to ever get so much traffic to five or 10 articles. Like you want to have a decent base of content before you start looking down that road. Um, so there's that. And then, no, then there's looking at optimizing the pages that you've already got. So once you've got site articles that are ranking or keywords that are ranking, you can start look, using tools to look at, okay, where am I ranking for specific keywords or specific pages on the bottom of page one, top of page two? Like what can I do for some small optimizations, small changes to kind of push me up to the top of page one, which is kind of, kind of, that's where all the, that's where I'm going to get all the traffic increases from. So it's, I think there's a, there's a, there's a case to be had for that. Do you have any other things in mind for that growing phase? I think one of the areas that people mess up on is thinking that they want a portfolio. So yeah. What happens often, and actually beginners fuck this up a lot too, because they hear maybe you, Mark, or maybe John at Fat Stacks, and you know people have eight or ten sites. Shauna over at Skip Blast, I chatted with her the other day. She has like twenty-eight sites or something, right? So people <laughs> are hearing about folks that are ten years ahead of them. And they're thinking, all right, well, if this person's making 80K a month and they have 10 sites, I need 10 sites. But if you look back at someone's history, it's like they worked on one site really hard for like three or four years. And then they started the second one. Or maybe they started the second one after a year, but they didn't <clears> touch <throat> it and they just kept focusing. And the fact is, like, no matter what you're working on, if you're working on multiple projects, you're you're going to be spreading your attention. There's more decisions to make. And I know people are like, well, it, you know, I have this other site and, you know, it's not much. I just have to like log in there, you know, once a week to draft the post. And then, oh, I also have to update the plugins and, oh, wait a second, the hosting. And then all of a sudden, again, you have all these decisions in the admin. It takes a toll on your brain. And there are, it, it stresses me out. Right. It stresses me yeah. out personally, but people don't realize and they're like, well, it's just a little bit here and a little bit there. And the most successful people I know, they don't fuck around with like a big portfolio or if they do, it's 10 or 12 years in. So any thoughts on that? You see that mistake pretty yeah. often? Oh yeah. I mean, you've got, yeah, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. If, you, if you're trying to create one article for each, again, you're just never going to get that. So yeah, I totally agree. You need to go deep. In one, like, like the one counter I would say to that is, particularly if you've got in, uh, invest like money to invest, you're more cash rich than time rich. Then the thing with uh, building sites is that not all of them take off as well as each other. Not all of them take off as fast as each other. So going one, it's kind of eggs all in one basket. It's going to go as fast as it goes. It'll get there in the end for sure. But you know, we've definitely had scenarios where we've had clients that work on uh, that have come to us and work. We work. We bought multiple sites out from them at the same time because they did have this portfolio idea, but they they just want to get there faster, and they've got the investment to do it. But what what tends to happen then, and this kind of happens the way that I do things as well, which I'll, I'll go into, I guess. But what you'll find is that you'll find you'll find you'll clearly spot a winner or two winners out of those sites that you build, and you go right now. I'm just going to go all in on those. Forget those other ones for a while. Let them age a bit longer. Maybe they'll start to show some fruit. But like. These ones are clearly the winners and these are the ones I should invest in. And so the, the counter to that is like you get to you get to put more horses into the race and then choose the winners. And for me, um, I quite often I, I I do something very similar to that where I will just put like 30, 40 posts on a few sites and let them age and let them see what happens and then and then pick up again at a later date the ones that are like really showing signs of of doing well. Because Sure, you can struggle through and kind of get there in the end with any of the sites, but if you can get there a whole lot faster with what, with one or two of them, then w why wouldn't you pick that route? So, how long, you know, in that scenario where you have a few sites aging, let's assume they're all like kind of the same age or so. Although maybe it doesn't matter for this question. What I'm getting at is 
how long should it take to say, start getting some impressions on the Google search console, how long to get some actual traffic and to earn money, maybe set us up a timeline from, you know, six months, 12 months, two years, something. So people have an idea what to expect. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it depends whether you're starting from a fresh domain or an age domain, which we can kind of cover uh, as well uh, separately, but you know, from a, if you're working with a fresh domain, it kind of doesn't matter if you if you are kind of working slowly with a fresh domain because it's going to take a while. It's just the most common reason for for people failing is that they give up too soon. And what you got to understand is that it's it's going to from a fresh domain, it's just going to you're going to be putting you're going to invest in time into essentially what feels like a black hole and looking like you're getting no results for quite a long period of time. And that could be at least five months and and, and easily looking up to like twelve. Uh, months before and what you what you'll see is you'll you look in the future you look at your graph and you just see like no change no change no change and like barely anything well it looks like nothing but at the time it's like 20 extra visitors that month compared to the last month in the first few months and again it depends how much content you're building um but eventually like you just you kind of see it take off and it's it's normally five months or so is the earliest, but generally you've done some other work in building a couple of links or um, creating a lot of content. I definitely see more and more taking nine to 12 months these days on like fresh domains before you start to genuinely see any traction. But it's, it, it's quite a nice feeling when you have, I, I guess, you know, I know that I trust the process now. So I go big on a site. Like generally, if I've got an idea, I will put a couple of hundred posts on it, not just a few, uh, and without any feedback to say that it's it's good. <laughs> like I just trust that it's going to be good, and then you kind of see the hockey stick, and that's like there's nothing more satisfying than seeing it, all your work kind of take off. But um, so with a with a age with an age domain, which we can cover in more detail at some point if you'd like. But I mean, that's completely different that for, for people who don't know what an age domain is. It's a, it's a it's a domain that already had a business, you know, it was already existed as a website in the past as a business or as another niche, as another niche site, maybe another blog, but it's already been indexed by Google in the past. Like Google's seen this domain. It's got backlinks uh, on it, which is, you know, a, a good age domain should have a good backlink profile, which is given you already given you authority on, uh, or given that domain authority. So what that means is that when you start, you haven't got to go through that period where Google needs to trust this site before it's going to start it, before it's going to start giving it any traffic. It kind of, it can pick up kind of where it left off in some circumstances. And that's more likely to happen if it's been more recently dropped and it's still, a lot of pages are still indexed. You'll generally see that that site will take off quicker, but it doesn't even, we've seen even sites that are, domains that haven't been used for years do the same and vice versa ones that have been dropped recently they still take slower to take off but generally like it's it's more weighted in that way but so and that can take um that can be anything from like a week where you start seeing some, if you if you pile on you know, there's this tactics around recreating some of the pages or, or that used to exist on the site that used to get traffic that already have backlinks if you recreate those quite often if they're already getting a lot of traffic that can bump you straight back up and you can start seeing traffic real quick. So, um, but again, even those domains, I would say that the time period is less. Normally you're looking at five or six months as kind of a, the longer, this is the time you kind of have to wait before you start seeing stuff with an age domain generally. Some a little bit longer, um, but but ultimately you're, you're playing that waiting game. Um, but at the, end, at the end of the road, you've still got a domain that's got some backlinks and some authority to work with. So even if it does take longer, you still arrive at a point where you've got a more authoritative site that you can go after more keywords and potentially you've got more chance of success with uh, ranking for any any keywords within the niche you're in. And I'll just repeat to make sure I generally have it for like a brand new domain. You're looking at five or six months before you start getting, you know, some appreciable amount of traffic and at the longer end it could be nine to 12 months just a much longer sandbox and Uh then for age domains you potentially could skip the sandbox all all together and start getting traffic uh within weeks it sounds like and then if it's a little bit slower it could be up to six months before you start seeing like a lot more traffic but one can assume it's it's roughly halving the sandbox period approximately yeah kind of broadly like i say it could be way quicker 
but broadly i mean i think if you, if, if you use that as a rule of thumb i think then you won't be too disappointed <laughs> <laughs> and what what risks do you have with using an age domain? I mean, sometimes does it not work out? Have you heard that scenario? Yeah, I think the risk, I mean, okay, so to cover like some of the risks, the risks are you've got to check the history of the domain to make sure that it hasn't been used for purposes that you wouldn't want it to be used for in the past. Um, so you wouldn't want it to have been used for, as a spam site, as a PBN, as a, a, a site that's uh, like a porn site or a payday loan site you you don't want to, it to have changed its relevance over time so it might have started out as a golf site and became a dog site and then became a you know podcast site and then became and then became something else so like it, you know you, you want to make sure there was consistency in its history now the best the best ones are ones that have had kind of one one past it was a genuine business with genuine backlinks for a reason if you can find some with some great like news sites um you know, like the New York Times or the BBC as well, like all the better. Um, that's going to improve the, the authority of that domain and the trust that Google has in it. But yeah, there's definitely like some to take off. But I just say, I just, I would just say that it's kind of, it's just, it's just like way less, like m- more often than not, you will, like it's, it's successful. I, I guess the worst case scenario is that it almost just behaves like it, as if it was a fresh domain. Like you almost feel like you didn't get any. Okay, as long as you've done the right due diligence and like it's it is a healthy domain, right? Um, then uh, the worst case scenario is it's just it just doesn't behave like. Uh, what I would say from like working on loads and loads and loads of domains, like we've we've done we've worked with lots for our customers now, is that you'll see the benefits far outweigh the like the risks, and especially if you, where I was talking about you're having those many horses in the race and one will take off. When an when an aged domain site takes off, it really takes off. Like there's the, the difference between a fresh domain taking off, you might see, okay, well that's that's, that's done quite well. An aged domain taking off, it can it can be like incredible. Like it can it can it can really change. It can change your life, right? Um, it, and that's, it's not uncommon. Like from the it's it's not a ridiculously low percentage. Maybe that you know I'm not talking about like one in a thousand where you get like a real massive chance of success you, it, it's, it's reasonably good so if you're building out on multiple domains then uh, multiple age domains then the chances of having one take off it just in, it increases and the, of having like runaway kind of results is, is a lot higher and that's that's kind of what, what we find and it's uh, and i think there was a case study that either you or adam told me about where essentially it was a pretty good age domain and the person was very aggressive. And, and I mean, I think we're basically going to do this for my site coming up where we're just going to publish a huge amount of content. The domain that you and I are going to work on, uh, which I guess we're sort of launching it and talking about it for the first time here, we're going to publish a few uh, hundred articles in you know a quarter, pr- pretty quick. And we're going to essentially double the content. So it should be pretty interesting. And the domain that we're going to be working with is, you know, it's better than an age domain. It's a few years old. There's traffic. It's like a, it's just a site that's getting traffic and growing and has, you know, good backlinks. And and it's like I said, it's been growing. So there's, there's no reason that it shouldn't work well. And I expect the best age domains would probably behave the same as, like what's going to happen when we publish a lot of content on my site. So interesting. Okay. Any other thoughts on the age domain piece here? The only thing, the only, the only thing I'd say is that if um, I think, you know, age domains, they, you know, they're going to cost you a couple of thousand dollars, you know, for something that's decent, like, and you might kind of like gasp at that and think, Oh my God, like that's just like such a lot of money. But and, and and maybe it is if you haven't got that kind of money like lying lying around, and maybe you want to start with a with a with a fresh domain. But it's, it's it's almost like a false economy if you do have the budget to think I'm just saving money because it actually is, it's a really really cheap way of purchasing a backlink profile. If you can get a site that's got 100, 200 preferring domains, for example, and you've got some new sites which are almost almost going to be impossible to achieve, like maybe the BBC or New York Times, like for you to, to be able to achieve that yourself like it's probably unlikely to get those links but also it's just the time all the money if you pay us or someone else to like get you those links it's going to cost you way more than a couple of hundred dollars uh, sorry a couple of thousand dollars to get 
to, to get that. So I, I think age domains like massively undervalued, like at the moment, they, you pay a couple of thousand dollars, but I think they should be worth way more. And I think the market is only going in one direction as more and more people are you know, building them. There's more marketplaces like Otis popping up. Like it's going to get more competitive for everyone to acquire those domains in general, because there's only so many good SEO domains out there. And then more and more people are fighting for them. So the value is going to go up. And I think people, SEOs are going to realize the value more and more. Um, so that's, that's just one, one thing I'd say about that. For sure. I, I agree 100%. And shout out to our sponsor, Otis, which I'll, I'll actually run an ad at that spot right there at 35 minutes. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks a lot to Otis for sponsoring this episode. They're the source for aged and premium domains with built-in SEO, and it'll help you get a head start on your website most likely. So the feature domain for today is lightbuckets.com. This is generally in the outdoor slash recreation area, and it deals with telescopes. So this is a site that used to sell research grade telescopes. Now, I'm not sure you'll be able to easily drop ship those or anything like that, but you can certainly have a review site on basically any kind of optics. So you could cover telescopes again, but you could also cover uh, maybe like the software that you would use for some astrophotography, maybe some software for controlling the telescope and that sort of thing. But you also could cover uh, some of the equipment that you might need, as well as any informational topics. Now, when we have a look over on Ahrefs, we can see it's a domain rating of 43 with 334 referring domains, and 171 of those are due follow. And it, it's pretty impressive to have the domain rating at 43, especially considering the last traffic uh, that we can estimate here from Hrefs was back in kind of the, the middle of 2017. So it's been a few years, yet it still retained a very high domain rating, which is pretty cool. So you could have a look at this domain over at Otis. And you know, one thing I forgot to mention is 15 years old. So a lot of age on this baby. And you could have a look at some of the, you know, older, uh, what, what do you call it? The, uh, the screen grabs, like over, over the years, you can see what it was like back in the day. So anyway, you could have a look over at Otis. That's O-D-Y-S dot global. If you join using my affiliate link, you can get $100 in your account. And I would get a bonus if you happen to buy anything, which I uh, appreciate. Not a bonus, but a commission. It's called a commission. All right, so thanks to Otis, and let's get back to the interview. Okay, let's shift gears into going full-time. So do you have any guidelines or suggestions for people for when they should go full-time? And I think sort of the spectrum that we're looking at here is if someone should make the leap before they have replacement income, maybe they're making 500 bucks a month and they need to make 5,000. Should they, like, could they approach it that way and say, ah, I'm going to try to make this a full-time thing or when to pull the trigger. So I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Mark. Yeah. I think everyone's circumstances are different and I think everyone's appetite to risk is different. Um, so I think it, it can vary from person to person. So you've talked about that FU money as well. That's, that makes a difference as well. So if you've got money in the bank, if you can live for 12 months and you've got that money in the bank, then maybe that changes the perspective like a little bit as well. What I would say is that if you've got 12 months to live though in the bank, but you want, you need some money to invest in building a site or whatever, that's probably not enough. Like don't just have a year's worth of money because it, it, it's, we're playing the long game with this, with these, but if you, I treat building sites like a conveyor belt. Like I, I have always a couple, few warming up. It's going to take me a year or two before they come to fruition. And then I have some that are making me money now. And then I have some that I kind of sell off at the top to make like big chunks of cash. But then I have the monthly incomes like along the way. So 
you know, you, you've got to look one, two years down the road before you really start to earn some money, but like the rewards are like great. So what I would say is that you need to get to the point where maybe you're earning two or two, if your appetite is, is more risky, maybe three times what you need on a monthly basis. So if you need $2,000 a month to live, then maybe that's four or 6,000. Maybe you should make them from, from sites. And, and that's just because, and I guess to, to add to that, it's like, you don't want to be doing that all from one site. If you do it from one site, the chances are like, you know, if Google comes along and smacks your site down one day, then you, and you, and you go down to almost zero, then you've gone from 6,000 to zero and now you haven't got enough money. So, um, I would say, you know, you want to make sure you have got a, maybe a few sites in the fire. Maybe again, depending on your appetite for risk, but a two sites will be okay. Three sites, as long as they're in different niches, maybe you've monetized them slightly differently in terms of they're not all Amazon, but who are, always put in the every couple of years put in the interest uh, the the commission rates down that's going to happen again so i think that and there's, there's that mix right you've got maybe you've got some money in the bank and then you've got like uh so maybe if you've got some money in the bank maybe you only need two two times your income and i guess if you've got two times your income maybe you're saving some of that away each month as well so if one does then go you again you've built up your nest egg a little bit more or your your buffer a little bit more so but i think if you've got nothing else you want to at least get to like two to three times like what you need monthly to like feel comfortable and have that spread across two or three sites as well. It's a really tough one to answer. And I, I, I was surprised at your answer, Mark, actually, I, I, uh, I know everyone's risk tolerance is different, but a lot of people are like, all right, once I hit the same level as what I'm making at the full-time job. Now, one thing I'll throw in there is you have to, look at your your whole risk profile. I was chatting uh, with a friend, uh, Paula, and she has a bunch of real estate. She has a bunch of rental properties and she's actually paid for those outright. So she owns all the properties. So it's very you know cash flow heavy, but she's not leveraged at all. And technically from an investment standpoint, I mean, she could pull out you know, 70% of the equity in that real estate and then buy a bunch more property, like essentially more than double the property that she has. But she's also an entrepreneur and runs an online business like us. And that's fairly risky to be an entrepreneur. She's growing a company and she is exposing her risk in the entrepreneurship area, not on the real estate. The whole point being, if let's say you're only making 500 bucks a month and you need 5,000 per month, but your spouse or partner has a full-time job in insurance and can act as a, uh, there's some boating term. What, what's the thing in a boat that keeps it stable? Do you know? <laughs> there's um, a word for it. I don't know. It provides the hull or like no no no. Uh, the sailors out there. Okay, no, but uh, imagine (laughs) you don't mean the rudder. You don't mean the rudder, right? No, it's like um, yeah. So any sailors out there, send send (laughs) us an email. I don't know what word I'm looking for. Essentially, (laughs) if you have some other piece of your financial puzzle that can stabilize your situation then maybe it's okay if you take a risk. And that is precisely what happened to me. When I got laid off in 2015, I think I was only making maybe 2000 bucks a month or so. I was making some money online, but not replacement income. But my wife did have a job and through skillful negotiation, I was able to get her to let me try to build a business, which turned out great. The first year was, you know, rocky ups and downs and that sort of thing. But her full-time job helped stabilize the situation. And by nine months in, I could tell everything was going to be fine. And I was going to shoot past what I was earning before. Uh, No, no problem at all. So, you know, understand your risk tolerance, maybe your spouse's risk tolerance and understand the full uh, profile. But Mark, from a conservative standpoint, I love what you said, you know, earn two to three times what you potentially would need. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. I think it's because of the fact that one site could get hurt in rankings. And then 
what you were counting on for the last 12 months may be cut in half or something like that. Is that the reason why you're pretty conservative on that side? Yeah. And I generally, I think like, you know, one site will generally probably be earning the most of your income. So, uh, you know, it generally kind of just happens like that. Um, you don't all nice and evenly spread themselves out, but, um, so yeah, you know, if your big one goes down and maybe you want another couple to, but it's, it's funny. I, yours, like, so I'm a risk taker, right? And so, uh, and it surprised me that you came up with your, with your thing because I, I kind of view you more, more of a, a numbers man, a thinking man. And uh, like, don't get me wrong. So I wouldn't go for what I just said, right? But I, I think it's better to be on the conservative side. I'm not going to tell people to go and take massive risks, but I would personally, and I've done it is, is like, I, I quit and move on and go all in on something before I've got enough money. Right. So I'm like, I'm like 50% in like what I need. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm just going to like find a way. And actually it really focuses the mind when you know, when you need to find that extra money, like you're pretty focused when you, when you, you need it. I think a lot of people's mentality and it was definitely mine. It's like, what really is the worst thing that's going to happen? Because I think people think they lose their job and the world is going to end. It's, it's going to be, it's just going to be horrific. And actually, when you start thinking about it, I think it's only when you've done it and you and you and then you've, you you're an entrepreneur and you run your own business, you look back and you go, "What was I? What was I worried about?" Like, because I guess what you got to think about is like, well, okay, well, if I really did have no money tomorrow, like, what could I do? Like, would I cut back on what I spend? Do I do I have like a even family, like a mom and dad, that which would bail me out? Am I actually really going to lose my house in two months' time and be the guy on the street with the paper cup? Like, is that really going to happen? Or like? And I think it's really hard to look at it when you almost need to have done it before you can see back and look back retrospectively and say, actually, it was it was never that big a risk anyway. It just felt like it at the time. Um, so it's easy saying it once you've been there. But like, I think if you can see see through that, I think that's that, that's kind of helpful as well. And I think, you know, worst case scenario, when I was going through starting my business, it was well, you can go and get a job again. Like, especially you and I had pretty marketable skills. I mean, we literally can probably still exactly. go get a job, except we have bad attitudes now because we've been working for ourselves <laughs> for too long. But other than that, I mean, like our resume would read okay. Someone might say, hey, what's this huge eight-year gap? And I could say, oh, I built a business, sold it, did some other stuff. And yeah, I want to do... Yeah consulting again which yeah that's that's a dumb sentence like all together yeah. but <laughs> worst case scenario yeah you have to you have to get the job again like you, you just have to go back to where you were like it's not that much it's not that scary really right okay so let's talk a little bit about mistakes and like you said you've worked with a lot of clients now and you've coached and helped a lot of people Along the way, what mistakes do you see beginners make specifically or misconceptions they may have about the whole process? Yeah, so I think, like you say, trying to spread themselves too thin uh, is definitely one. Uh, and having multiple sites and not focusing their attentions all on one thing. I think we're constantly trying to set people's expectations for like, this is the long game that we're playing here. Like, not, not like it's if you're, if you're planning on this earning you a monthly income in three months time and you're starting from scratch. Like this is, this is not, this is not for you. This is not going to happen. Like you really have to, you, you just have to know that it's worth it when you get there, but you're not, it's going to take a while to get there. Um, so I think that is a problem. And like, so giving up too soon is kind of definitely the most common, the most common thing. And I had a, I had another thing there, but I've kind of forgotten it off the top of my head. I'll let, I'll let you go with some and then I'll try and remember. <laughs> well, all the ones that you mentioned, those are good. The other piece is jumping from one thing to another. So it's similar to the focus, but someone might start with affiliate marketing and then they get a little bored. They're like, well, I'm going to try drop shipping now. And then they run out of money to run ads and that didn't work out. And then they're like, well, I'm going to try Kindle publishing. And then they think, ah, maybe I'm going to be a freelancer now. Cause I saw some Instagram or TikTok where a freelancer is doing great. So they just jump around and essentially just make beginner mistakes again and again. Maybe they, you know, can pick up something 
that helps them along the way. But typically, they're just constantly in that first six-month period where they don't know what the hell they're doing. And as soon as they get bored, they jump to something else. And people say, I know people have ADHD and they're ADD and all that stuff, but I, I hate it, Mark, when people are like, yeah, I just, I get bored and I want to start another thing. And it's like, fuck, like you haven't, you haven't completed any of the things you have like five, mm-hmm. 80% done pieces of project. And you're saying you have ADD, but you just get bored. And again, people with ADHD, I'm sorry. <laughs> I could focus really well. So I have low sympathy, I guess. And, and maybe yeah. that's wrong. The, uh, do you have ADHD or anything? Am I offending you specifically? No, okay. no, no, no. I think good. No, I'm aware of any. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And, and when actually I have a couple friends I need to check with her, but I think she just started medication and she's like, it's uh, changing my life. It, like I realized why I was having so many issues before. But th- the point is, sometimes people jump around too much. Sorry for the rant, everybody, on the ADHD thing. I know it's a real affliction. But if you can stick with something for a little while, it'll really help you out in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did you think of yours? No, I think it was – yeah, no, I can't. I think it was something more specific to do with like, you know – a they're not following a, the correct kind of strategy, but I can't, I can't remember like exactly what it was to so. say. That's all right. Well, let's move on to shortcuts. I know this is a question I told you, Mark. I It's one that people will want me to ask, but I think it's a bit of a cop-out. So it comes in different forms. Like what are the top three things I need to worry about in the first year? What shortcuts can I take? But essentially people are looking for the magic formula in bullet form format. So do you have any tips that will almost ensure someone's success? Yeah, time machine, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we're going to probably cover some like some of the things we've like mentioned, but but in this context, so uh, like we mentioned, age domains can kind of get you there uh, a bit quicker. Well, potentially a lot quicker, right? <laughs> the guy that we, you were speaking about, like you know, his site's making forty thousand dollars a month after a year. Um, okay, it's aggressive growth, but then he could afford to reinvest the money he was making from that site into that growth very quickly. So his site's like worth like, what, what is it? 1.6 million like dollars now Like that's in the year. Like uh, I've got a site that I started a year ago or after a year, it was doing 350,000 sessions a month. Like, and that's from on an age domain, but a very modest, modest one, uh, like a DR12 it was when I, when I started it. So, um, so age domains could like definitely like get you there quicker. Not every time and not, not every time very far as I, you know, super fast acceleration but they'll they'll get you there faster the other thing is that i do see like i still see it like uh you know even in probably a lot of people that we both know like jointly like there's there's people that they've they, they've always done it themselves and they will always do it themselves so they've always written the content and they're always going to continue to write the content and they're always going to and they'll never outsource kind of anything but uh, and that's totally fine if you want to do that but you know you, you're trading time for you're, you've only got so much time in a day and then you're only going to go so fast. So I think we mentioned like if you've, once you start earning a little bit of money from the site, you can reinvest that. <clears throat> you just make an asset bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you just keep putting it all back in, like it just gets bigger and bigger over time to the point where, yeah, then you can start just taking profit and be having this monster asset and building new sites with the money you're making from that site. And it, and, and it can escalate much more quickly. So I think, like um, once you get the opportunity to be able to outsource some of that work um, to someone else to help you help you grow, will definitely kind of get help you get there quicker. Um, to that you know that fuck you money or the financial freedom kind of uh, road. There are other ways to get there quicker. Like there is no magic. There is no magic bullet. Like uh, what it really comes down to. So like if you want to you know, gamble it a roulette maybe and uh, put it on red or black and. Maybe you get 50, 50, 50 chance or just under, but like that's, that's that you'll get there super fast, but you might lose it all too. But <laughs> I'll throw in th- those are great. The one, the anti shortcut, and if I probably like sold this from Seth Godin or something, but the long way is the shortcut. So if you have a longer term vision yeah. and you're yeah, patient you're probably going to end up in a better spot. And 
that sounds stupid. So I'll give an actionable piece here. Someone that I'm coaching, Christy, we followed her case study for the last year and some change. She did outreach. She did roundup posts on her site with people that were in social media, maybe Instagram or YouTube or something, and slowly built relationships. She slowly made sure these people knew who she was. And over time, it turned into backlinks, right? It turned into backlinks and opportunities. She actually signed a copywriting retainer with a company in her niche that is paying her something like thirty or 40000 in this year. So it's like a $4,000 per month copywriting contract. That's on top of the five to 9,000 that she earns every month from affiliate marketing and ads. And she did not ask for any links initially. She just networked and worked within her industry. And most of the time, if I'm answering a question, people are like, how can I get links this month? And that's a very short-term vision. You don't even know if that link is going to do you any good. But instead, she was building relationships and it turned into, you know, dozens of backlinks from the best sites in her industry that her competitors can't get because they're not putting in the same time. And then, of course, the straight up money with the copywriting contract. So if you could, if you could just have a long term vision, you'll probably shoot past people that are looking at shortcuts. Absolutely. I think every site that I start, I, I try and think about what could it be as a business down the road, like. 99% of like people in our space stop at the ad monetizing with ads and affiliate. And they don't think about well, what kind of real business could it be? You know, it might have, might have a YouTube channel in the future. Might, might I have a course that I sell as a, in the future or for consultancy services might I have a physical product or even a, a physical storefront, like in the future, like how is it going to be a real business one day? And I think, you know, building those relationships are, yeah, you're you're thinking longer term then. But what I'd say also as well, if you do if you you do have the time and and you are going to invest and you are thinking those many years down the road, now I think to some extent at least you can start thinking re- reducing your, your that requirement to have multiple many multiple sites to lower your risk, because if it's just uh, what 99% of people do, which is just ads and affiliate, they're much more likely to be hit knocked down at some But if you've got a genuine site where you've got genuine links and you're doing genuine things, one site is probably it probably could be enough because it's just it's just it is as genuine and as authentic and as real as it gets. And it doesn't not say that it doesn't happen, but it's much less likely to happen that Google's gonna get upset about what you're doing. Hundred percent. All right. Well, any any other broad thoughts about the sort of path that a person can start from, from side hustling to growing to going full time? And then, you know, we talked about potentially some of the risks and quote shortcuts or long cuts as I change the <laughs> the answer in the question. So yeah, any other broad thoughts about this? I don't think so. No. I think um I think we kind of covered I think we covered quite a lot. <laughs> quite a lot there in that in that time so no, i can't think of like, any kind of overriding thought i guess would be i mean it, it, it is it is just what it is i mean you to if you're starting out then you you know you want to you want to try some things out first and like make you know make some mistakes and don't maybe maybe just i mean maybe your first site isn't the site that you end up with but like the other the other thing i guess where, where people fail is like not just that they give up too soon is that they never start like they think about it, they just, they, they they go on for, for ages researching the niche. They've got to find the absolute niche, the killer niche, the niche that's gonna you know quit, help them quit their job. And if you just if you just and there's, uh, there's so many people I I know they just never get started. They just they just procrastinate at that stage of like wanting to get started and never get started. Just get started. Like if if you, and 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 you'll learn along the way. <laughs> it definitely favors people that take action. And I've seen, this is an interesting sort of concept, but I've seen people that are, I'm going to use harsh words in my description just to make the point, like less intelligent people do really well because they're focused towards action. So they'll make bad mistakes. They'll 
not think about things. They won't think things through. And they make poor decisions occasionally, but they're favored towards action. And usually the mistakes are not catastrophic. They're just kind of a series of small mistakes or dumb decisions where an external person might think, why did you do that? That was kind of dumb. Some very smart people that I know are in the analysis phase for two years. It's procrastination. It's a form of perfectionism where someone Mm -hmm. will keep analyzing and they want to get more keywords. They want to make sure the keywords are right. They want to make sure the niche is profitable. They're checking and researching for way too long and they are very smart and they're trying to get as much data as possible. But just because they have more data doesn't mean they're going to be successful and they're just not taking action. So it's very interesting. And I see you nodding, Mark. I mean, you've seen this too, right? Some people are in analysis phase forever. Oh, I I think absolutely the people are most successful probably in business and in entrepreneurship, but even definitely in the website investing space are not the the best SEOs. The people that are most successful... The best SEOs aren't generally the ones that are successful. It, yeah, it's definitely that way around. Like the people who are most successful definitely aren't the best SEOs. I'll just let leave it at that. But like, like they're the ones that are taking action. Action by far trumps kind of knowledge. And, and actually, the other great thing about this business model is like, it's not you can go deep and and really analytical, and you can kind of try and fight like work on the latest. Uh, like strategy and go deep on like that kind of stuff at the end of the day content and links good keyword research of course but content and links get that done and you're going to find some sort of sort of success you don't have to be some kind of guru you know of uh, seo guru like it just just take action like you say i think that is more important than anything perfect to end on that mark where can people find you they can find us over at uh, nichewebsite.builders is the website where uh, the, the, the business is. Uh, we also, if, if you go up, there's a podcast that we have. If you go into the menu, there's a podcast menu. We've got a YouTube, there's a podcast and YouTube channel similar to this, uh, the Doug Show, Doug. And uh, we've got a couple of Facebook groups as well. So Niche Website Flippers, which we generally use for people buying and selling sites it's like an open marketplace there and and then we have niche website builders which is kind of more for talking talking shop about building and investing in websites um those are probably the best places right now awesome we'll link up for everything so people can get to it and we'll talk again soon mark thanks a lot thanks doug enjoyed it Thanks for checking out this episode and be sure to check out Mark's agencies, Niche Website Builders. And they came back on as a sponsor for the live streams and for the podcast. So we're actually starting to work on a new project together, kind of a case study. And this is built on top of a site that I created and they actually did most of the work I outsourced, most of the work in the first year to them. I did a little bit on my own hiring some of my own writers, but after some age, after some time, it's actually getting a pretty significant amount of traffic and we're going to do a lot of work on it in kind of a short time. So I'll probably talk about it, not probably, I will definitely talk about it more coming up. So keep an eye out for that episode where I explain where we're starting from, the foundation that we're starting from and what we're planning on doing. And then we'll track it along the way. So it'll be a fun collaboration between uh, me and the team over at Niche Website Builders. And hopefully we'll be able to bring you some exciting information. Now, one thing that I could tell you about is we're going to approach all informational content. So after talking to several people in the last year, especially Charlie, you know, he was just on an episode and he has been on several episodes and just some of the conversations that we've had off the record as well. It makes me think like, oh man, I kind of want to, I want to try it out and just publish this informational content. It, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. There is a... The niche that we're going to be working in, so and I'll probably give some analogies in the future, but the niche that we're working in, it seemingly has 
endless keywords or at least more than I would be able to get to. So without trying too hard, I could probably come up with 10,000 keywords or so. And they would be, you know, roughly formulaic. You can, I could potentially outsource it in a very easy way and have someone else do the keyword research. And it is, you know, much like Charlie, it is not as important to have a lot of search volume. It's more important that someone is kind of searching for it somewhere. And there's some, you know, research that we can do to validate that. But like Charlie, I'm at a point where I can recognize that these are probably viable keywords, even though it may not get a huge amount of traffic, it will get some traffic over time. The cool part is almost certainly some of these uh, very low search volume or zero search volume keywords, if one were to check, you will end up with an anomaly where some of these are gonna get way more traffic than you expect. It could be a trending topic, it could be something like that, or it could just be a lot of people are searching for similar terms, long tails of the primary keyword which we're targeting. But generally, it's gonna be you know very low competition, very low search volume, informational, and the niche that we're gonna be operating in, it's, we're not going to run out of keywords. So I'm, I'm excited and hopefully we'll be able to publish the episode pretty soon where I lay out exactly what we're working on. And then I will most likely have updates, I would say once a month, maybe a little bit more frequent, but they're going to be, you know, kind of quick updates, kind of like what Alex at WP Eagle will do. You know, he has his scheduled updates, but occasionally if something interesting is going on, he'll provide an update, you know, a little shorter one. Sometimes it's a, you know, man on the street kind of thing. He's walking around, which is cool. I'm starting to ramble now. So I'm going to to go ahead and finish it up here, but definitely check out uh, sponsors of the show, check out the other podcast, and I will catch you on the next episode.